Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. But just like God blessed Joseph in Egypt, God has blessed me since my wife died. So what we see in these first words of verse 1, Joseph was brought down to Egypt. It describes every situation in our lives when we are brought to a place we don't want to be in. As a slave being brought down to Egypt, Joseph had no power to change anything in his life. He was a slave. He was owned by another. And these words in verse 1, Joseph was brought down to Egypt, expresses how Joseph had no power to change anything in his life. That's why these words are so important to us, because they describe when we're put in a position in life when we don't have any power to change anything, we're in a situation that's not our choice, and we have no control. We have been brought down to Egypt. Now, we read when we read this, Joseph was brought down to Egypt, keep in mind that Joseph, who he was, he was the great-grandson of Abraham. And he still found himself in this place in his life, that he didn't choose to be there, he didn't want to be there, he had no power to change it. But he was a great-grandson of the man who was told he was going to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. How's that possible? So our question is, what are we to do when we find ourselves, like Joseph did, brought down to Egypt into a place in our life where we absolutely do not want to be? The answer comes in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, when it says, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. This is where the importance of these words, in all thy ways, comes in. Not just in some of the ways, or for those ways where we want to be in life, You know, like the contemporary song that goes, Blessed be your name, in the land that is plentiful, where the streams of abundance flow, when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all that it should be. But all our ways means when we are brought down to Egypt. It includes that. When we're brought down to Egypt in a place we don't want to be. That's part of all of our ways. And we're in the places where the same song goes on and describes when I'm found in the desert place, when the darkness closes in, on the road marked with suffering, and there's pain in the offering. See, those are part of, those are included also in the, all our ways that we have to acknowledge the Lord. And to acknowledge the Lord when we are like Joseph, brought down to Egypt, means to say and believe that God has sent me where I didn't want to go. That's what it means to acknowledge God. Now, just think in the context of Joseph. Just think of Joseph. How would he have acknowledged the Lord 
when all of his ways included that he was brought down to being in the pit with no water in the desert. I mean, just think of how Joseph would have acknowledged the Lord when all his ways included being brought down to being a slave, ordered around by the Midianites and being brought down to Egypt. I mean, just think of how Joseph would have acknowledged the Lord when all his ways included being in the process of being sold as a slave in the slave market of Egypt, like a piece of meat that's sold in the market. I mean, just think of this, how Joseph would have acknowledged the Lord when all his ways included when he was where he did not want to be and when he had no power to change it, how would Joseph have acknowledged the Lord in each one of those ways where he didn't want to be? What does it mean to acknowledge God? To acknowledge God means to see God's hand in each one of these being brought down to Egypt situations in life. For me, I had cancer. I acknowledged God by imagining that in heaven, God took out a prescription pad and wrote on it, mm, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma for, that's what I order for Tom. <laughs> that's what I miss. That's just what he needs. And to acknowledge God means also to confide in God, to talk to him. In each of these situations, to be, well, when you're being brought down to Egypt, those situations of life. To acknowledge God means to be flexible in life, not so stiff. You know, we had a speaker at the last Christmas Under the Stars at the Creation and Earth History Museum, and he said there's two types of Christians in life. There's the one Christian who says, is it over yet? <laughs> you know, and there's the next Christian who says, what's next? What's next? See? To be flexible in life is to be the what's next Christian and to see each brought down to Egypt situation. That's a new adventure. That's a new challenge. That's a new opportunity to see God's blessing. I wonder sometimes if God doesn't just give up and bring Christians home to heaven because they've made their lives so predictable and so inflexible and they've guarded so that he can't use them anymore on earth then he might as well just stamp on those lives, unusable, and sadly, just say, okay, I got to kick them off the earth because I can't use them anymore. They're playing it too safe. That's become their life motto, playing it safe. No Christian should ever order their lives where they've done everything to avoid those being brought down to Egypt situations in life. Because that's when God used Joseph the most when he was brought down to Egypt. And that's when God will use us the most when we're brought down to Egypt. So to acknowledge God means to see ourselves as being sent on an exciting new mission when we are in those being brought down to Egypt times of our lives. As Joseph said about it in Genesis, the last chapter, Genesis 50, verse 20, Genesis 50, 20. As for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good, meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Joseph said that when he was in that brought down to Egypt time in his life, that God sent him there to save much people alive. That's what it means to acknowledge God in all thy ways. That's what it meant for Joseph to acknowledge God in all of Joseph's ways. To acknowledge God means to look for the blessings that God brings in those being brought down to Egypt situations in life. Acknowledge God means to turn back and look at that brought down to Egypt situation, affliction in life, and say, 
the words of Psalm 119.71. Psalm 119.71. It's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Or Psalm 119.67. Psalm 119.67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I've kept thy word. Or Psalm 94.12. Psalm 94.12. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law. So to acknowledge God means to look at the brought down to Egypt's affliction and say, it's nothing, it's nothing, it's really not that much in the light of eternity. Because the second Corinthians 4.17, Second Corinthians 4.17 says, our light affliction, it's but for a moment, but it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So this is very important. First words of this, this first verse, very important. Brought down Egypt. Now the first words, the next verse describes what happened when we are brought down, when he was brought down to a place he didn't want to be in. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. But now, so there was a blessing. But you know, I want us to consider also another side of verse 1. Joseph was brought down to Egypt. I want to think I want you to think about how Joseph, how Joseph never saw what he saw in Egypt, in Canaan. He never saw this. These were just tremendous new scenes for Joseph. I mean, he's brought down there as a slave, but nevertheless, he's got eyes. He can see. He can understand. And he sees the Nile, the largest fertile valley that he, in the world that he's ever seen. The crops, the greatest agricultural operation in the world all around the Nile. The pyramids, the greatest towering structures in the world, monuments to past generations of this society of the Egyptians. The civilization, the most advanced in the world with skill. Oh, the skill of the agriculturists in the field there was, was unbelievable. The skill of their ingenious mechanics, how they built those things. Actually, even in some of the drawings, uh, the Egyptian drawings, in the old writings there, they, it showed that the children had toys. <laughs> Egyptian children had toys to amuse them. He saw the toys. And then as he looked around and sees these big, huge halls of justice, the Egyptian courts had judges that followed an elaborate set of Egyptian laws. The temples, priests with their oppressive temples, appeasing their gods, seeking blessings on their country. The language, vast libraries of written Egyptian language on papyrus leaves that have passed on from hieroglyphics and phonetics. The government, a complicated, refined system of government administration, laws. The military, the most powerful in the world with chariots. And actually, as Joseph down there, he looks around, he finds himself among slaves that are well, where are you from? I'm from Asia. I've never seen one of you before. But where are you from? I'm from Ethiopia. Those were those that were conquered by their emperors. The prosperity, the greatest wealth of the world was in Egypt. The arts, the drawings, the paintings, the musical instruments, the medicine, the advanced use of herbs for medicine, the mastery of the art of embalming. That was all Egyptian. The science, they had knowledge of chemistry, metaphysics, physical sciences, construction sciences, just brilliant achievements. He looks around, everywhere he looks, he sees Egyptian accomplishments, brilliant, brilliant. 
And as Joseph looks around, and he sees all this grandeur, and he thinks back, you know, when he was back on the home on the farm, you know, <laughs> he said, I never saw anything like this back there, you know, it's like, well, you know, how are you going to keep them down on the farm after they've seen Paris, right? How are you going to keep them now, you know? And this is also what's behind this first words of this chapter when it says that Joseph was brought down to Egypt. Another, another angle, see? Now, yet with all that Joseph saw in Egypt, he knew God was greater. God was greater than Egypt. He hadn't seen all this grandeur, but he knew God was greater, and he knew that Egypt did not have God. Therefore, he knew Egypt was bankrupt. But what I just described here of the farm boy Joseph coming into Egypt and saying, Shazam, right? <laughs> and for the first time in his life, he's seen all these things, you know, great things in Egypt, the Nile, the, the pyramids, the civilization, the toys, the laws, the temples, the language, the government, the military, the prosperity, the arts, the science, the, and, and the, the, all these medicine, all these things. Okay. Joseph from the farm coming into Egypt and seeing all that is exactly like the Christian who arrives on one of the great university campuses. And just like Joseph, he sees what he's never seen before, the Christian who arrives on the university campus. And he's so impressed, and he's so overwhelmed. And when it, and his professors start to tell him, the Bible's not true, it's a myth. The first words of the Bible are creation. There We have scientifically proven wrong because evolution is true. And when his professors tell him that there are many gods in the world and his is only one of many and not superior to all the other gods, take the class on comparative religion, you'll understand. And when the university environment starts to tell him, you've been imprisoned with all those do's and don'ts and now's the time to become free, sexually free, reach for those forbidden sexual fruits because if you do, your eyes will be open and you'll be wise. It's sure it's pleasant to the eyes, but you'll become wise. So the lure of the university campus on the young Christian is the same as the lure of Egypt on Joseph. And the tragedy is that so many Christians are not like Joseph. They become overwhelmed with the stunning grandeur of the university campus and they fall. And the greatness is that Joseph was not overwhelmed. And the grandeur of Egypt, and he stood firm, as we're going to see in the next chapter. Chapter 39 is an account of Joseph standing against sexual temptations so that he could be true to God in Egypt. Whereas chapter 38 is an account of Judah falling to sexual temptations in Canaan. So God's put these two chapters side by side, 38 and 39. Why? So there could be a challenge to us to decide which course you want to go down. Both Joseph and Judah were faced with sexual temptations. One stood firm, the other fell. Our challenge is, we're going to be like Joseph, we're going to be like Judah. Now, there's another side. There's another side of Joseph being brought into Egypt. We see in this verse, words here, verse 1. Joseph was brought down to Egypt. What a statement that is. It seems so tragic. You know, oh no, he's been brought down to Egypt. And the question is, will God be God to Joseph in Egypt? It's just so foreign down there. You know, our enemies can strip us of our freedom. They can, as they get in Joseph's case, strip of friends, Joseph's case, 
strip of relatives, Joseph's case, strip of possessions, country, position, but they cannot strip of the presence of God. Our ability to resist evil, our knowledge of God, our wisdom, the grace of God, they can't strip of that. They can't take that away. Our enemies may shut us out in prisons, but they can't shut us out of communion with God. And that's what's coming through in this chapter. Our enemies may be, they may bar us from the courts so that we can't make appeals to the courts of how we're mistreated, but they can't bar us from the throne of grace. And they can't bar us from making our appeal to God. They may deprive us, our enemies may deprive us, as they did Joseph, of many things, but they can't deprive of the blessings of God. And this chapter tells about the fortunes of Joseph in Egypt, in Egypt, that he never could have gotten in Canaan. This is leading to his exaltation to become the most powerful man really in the world. Joseph described as being brought down to Egypt to others he goes and describes it, and he says, you know, I'm a little sensitive that I don't stir up anti-Semitism here. So, like I told you, in Genesis 40, verse 15, when he was talking to the another Egyptian, he said, I was, in Genesis 40, verse 15, for indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here I've done nothing that they should put me into this dungeon. So it was a very serious crime to steal a man. As it says in Exodus 21, 16, he that stealeth a man and selleth him or if it be found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. All right, so now, verse 1, we have this person, Potiphar. We don't know very much about him. We don't know very much about the man who bought Joseph, but we do know his name, Potiphar. Actually, the name Potiphar appears frequently in monuments in Egypt, and it's most often pronounced spelled Potifra, Potifra, which in Egyptian, pot means dedicated to and Tif means two, and Ra means the Egyptian sun god, Ra. Now, so we know that this was his name. He's dedicated to the sun god. We're also told that he was the captain of the guard. This means that he was the chief executioner of Pharaoh. It's not such a good thing to make that man angry, all right? He's the chief executioner. And later on, we're going to see that his wrath was kindled against Joseph. Now, we're told in verse 1 that... Potiphar bought him, bought Joseph at the hands of the Ishmaelites. So this is the second sale of Joseph. He was sold first to the Midianites by his brothers, and now he's put into a slave market and sold the second time, which is actually worse than being kidnapped. And notice how in verse 1, it doesn't say that he was bought from the Midianites, but it gives us a little detail that makes you feel how Joseph was stripped of all of his dignity when it says they bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites. That's a very important little detail there about the hands of the, it's not even called Midianites, they're called Ishmaelites. The hands. See, just like a goat, you keep your hands on the goat. And being a slave, Joseph, he could never say, get your hands off me. He couldn't say that. He's a slave. And a slave has no rights. He has a possession like an animal. And they were not just any hands. But the Bible makes a point of saying these were the hands of Ishmaelites you know, the other son of Abraham, Ishmael, who competed with Isaac. Ishmael, who his brother Isaac was chosen over, who he was always sore about that. Joseph's grandfather, Isaac, was mocked at his birthday party by Ishmael. But now the tables have turned, and these Ishmaelites have their hands on an Isaacite. 
all right? Isaac's grandson. And they have the pleasure to have their hands on him like he's an animal. So the words, hands of the Ishmaelites, we can feel the animosity of the Ishmaelites against this Isaacite. And the mention of the hands of the Ishmaelites is particularly humiliating. It's particularly hurtful for Joseph. Can you imagine what it feels like to be sold in a slave market? Can you imagine having people bid on you to buy you? You know, that reminds me of what a missionary in Angola, Africa said as he was leading a communion service with the Africans. And one African stood up and asked if he could speak. And he said, okay, go ahead. He said, well, when I was a boy, my sister and I were drinking water at a watering hole when another tribe kidnapped me and put me into the slave market. And he says, I, the price of my body was bought for the price of one chicken. He said, that's how they valued me, the price of one chicken. And he said, later I escaped. And now I understand that whereas I was valued by man as the price of one chicken, at the communion service there, he learned that he was valued by God with the price of the precious blood of God the Son. And so at that meeting, he had decided, he said, I'm going to leave this communion service. I'm going to return to my captors, even though I know it'll be death. I know it will. But he says, before they kill me, I'm determined to tell them that God so loved the world that he paid the same price for them, the blood of God the Son, to buy them from the prison house of sin. Now, Joseph only said that he was kidnapped to cover the sins of his brothers, but he knew he was sold into Egypt, and that's what he told his brothers when he finally confronts them in Genesis 45.4. Genesis 45.4, Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. He said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. So we see now Joseph explains to the Gentiles why he was in Egypt. Oh, because he was shielding his brothers. And we see how Joseph explains to his brothers how he was in Egypt. You sold me into Egypt. But most importantly is how Joseph saw the real reason why he was in Egypt. And that's how God, from a God perspective, and he explains now in Psalm 105, verse 17. Psalm 105, verse 17, it is explained from God's perspective why he was in Egypt. God. He sent a man before him, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. See, from God's perspective, God sent Joseph into Egypt. That's the view that Joseph adopted, as he said in in Genesis 50, verse 20, as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it to good to bring to pass as it is this day to save a bunch of people alive. So Joseph always kept this redemptive view. And you and I should you really copy that? Keep a redemptive view for everything that happens to us in life. How is what has happened to me in life for the redemption of somebody else, to save a bunch of people alive? Coming into Egypt was valuable. It was necessary. It was training for Joseph. What God intends men for, he will be sure, in the same way or other, to qualify them for it, which he did with Joseph. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being the God of Joseph. And thank you, Lord, for not leaving him when he went into Egypt, but for being with him so that he could say, whether here, whether there, God's with me. Why should I care? Thank you for what we've seen in your Bible this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free 
at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. You're invited to the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California for the third annual Taste of Creation Benefit Dinner and Silent Auction. It's Saturday, June 3rd at 6.30 p.m. This benefit dinner is in support of the Light and Life Foundation Ministries that encompass the Creation and Earth History Museum, Friendship with God Radio Program, and Israel Restoration Ministries. Come experience gourmet and unique local restaurant foods, and we'll have Bible teacher Tom Cantor from the Friendship with God Radio Program speaking, along with musical performances by the De Lamont Strings. We'll have an amazing night of silent and live auction items, including tailored guitars, vacation getaways, and other exciting auction items. So if you'd like to attend this event, or if you're a local business or person that would like to donate and sponsor a product or service in support of the Creation Museum auction on Saturday, June 3rd at 6.30 p.m., then call us with your support or to reserve your seat. 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org. Creationsd.org. Creationsd.org.